Father, we love you, Lord. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to seek you, to be able to hear from you, to be able to learn, to know your word. What a privilege that is. God, except you open our eyes, Lord, except you pour out your spirit and, 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 and teach us your word, Lord, we won't be able to receive it. We'll hear truth and it'll go right over our head. Father, thank you for your word. Help us to be hearers and doers of your word. Be glorified in your church. And then, Lord, uh, thank you. You know, we, you know we're not passing the plate as part of our worship anymore. Uh, just, you know, to try to keep from spreading the virus. And, and yet, Lord, um, it, it, it's part of our worship. And so, God, thank you. Um, you know, some are using the offering boxes. Others use the mail system. Or, or give online, but Lord, they do it all in faith. They do it all in worship. They do it all in obedience to you. And so God, bless us as we give. And then Lord, bless the gifts that are given. Use them to, to further ministry for your glory. God, we get to buy in. We get to be a part of something that you're doing that isn't just changing lives at 40th and Walnut, but it's it's rocking the nations for your glory. And so, God, what a privilege it is to be a part. Help us to, to, to as stewards, uh, to continue to for, you know, faithfully support that. And so, God, bless the worship of giving the first of not just tithes and offerings, but the first of who we are, our life. And, and Lord, help us to see that in your word this morning. We belong to you. Your God, we're not. Lord, be glorified in us as your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we saw last time in Philippians chapter 3 is that mature Christians, they don't live just any old which away. They live in light of the prize. They live in light of the judgment seat of Christ. They've got the end in mind. They're able to look past what's going on today and see what God wants in respect to eternity. They've got, a, they've got, a, they've got an eternal perspective now, immature believers only think about right now, they only think about today, what's going on in their life, in their life in the moment. And so what we gotta, what we gotta do is learn of our need to protect our walk in Christ. Because how we walk, how we live, what we do as Christians today matters tomorrow. We gotta learn then how to identify what the enemies are to our walk with Christ. And so, just by way of quick review, let's... Let's just remember what we saw last time. We saw the marks of the mature. First, they have a right mind, verse 15. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus-minded. Okay, as many as are mature or complete, grown up. We're not talking about sinless or physical perfection. But as many as are mature in their growth in Christ, how do they think? Well, verse 16, they, mature people follow after right things. They, they, what they think shows up in their walk. Nevertheless, wherein two we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same things. So in other words, whether you're mature or immature, wherever you're at in your growth, the answer is the same. You're to move forward in your faith. You can't just as a Christian sit and be content, right? You're walking. You walk by the same rule. God has given us his rule in black and white. What he says matters, and so we're going to live it, so help us God by his grace. We know where we need to go, so we get like-minded. We go together in the same direction, minding and following God's commands and instructions to us. See, Christianity isn't, Christianity doesn't exist so that you've got someplace to sit on Sundays. 
It's not a spectator sport. So as Christians, we want to get out of the pew and we want to get into the arena. We've got the, we're to mind the same thing. We're to walk by the same rule. It's spelled out for us in black and white. So we got to live it. We, what, what, what is on the agenda today is not optional. So how do we walk by the same rule? How do we mind the same thing? We'll look at verse 17. So Paul tells us the key. If you're, if you're growing in Christ, what you want is someone mature. You find an example and you follow it. And so Paul gives the example of himself in verse 17. He says, brethren, be followers together of me. Mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. So follow with me and those like my team. And he's not bragging, he's just saying. This isn't Paul crowing about how mature he is or how great his walk with Christ is. No, it's, a, it's, it's an expression of safety. Hey, you need someone that knows where they're going. You need someone that you can follow safely. So Paul could see the road to travel. He knows where he's going in his service to Christ. So he's inviting those who are growing in their faith to follow him. So if you're mature, if you're mature in Christ, at this point, you know how to, you know how to follow God. Who do you have following with you? If you can't look behind you and see disciples following, well, then how mature are you? Well, I'm a mature Christian. Well, not if you're not helping us make disciples. Who are you looking to and saying, hey, let me show you how, what it means to be a follower of Christ? If you're not doing that, well, then maybe you're not that mature. See, people want to be viewed as mature, but they don't want to make the investment in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 15, we saw that there are 10,000 professors, 10,000 proclaimers, 10,000 instructors in Christ, but not many sacrificers, not many fathers. Paul says, I begotten you through the gospel, wherefore I beseech you be followers of me. See, God's bringing new people to this church all the time. Are you, as a mature Christian, helping us to meet them, to greet them? to make room for them, to help them get online serving with us? Are you helping us get, get them on the right road? Are you building relationships with them that will lead them into ministry? I like uh, just the example and the testimony that we saw this morning with Wagi, uh, meeting somebody in his Sunday fellowship, building the relationship, leading them to Christ, and now leading him to follow Christ. Man, praise the Lord for that. Thank God for you, brother. That's what, that, that's what we're talking about here this morning. Who are you grabbing and propelling forward? Who are you investing in so that their life can fall out to the service of Christ? And then to the immature, to the young Christian, I'm not like calling you names, right? If, if, you're, if you're 12 years old, you're immature. That's not an insult. Everybody with me? So if you're immature in your faith, you've been following for a short time, who are you following? Right? If you're a young Christian, if you want to be safe, you want to find somebody that's all out for Jesus, and they're not playing at it. They're not pretending. They're walking. They're minding this same thing. You want to find a mature believer, note them, and then follow with them, follow together with them. And we've got a few like that in our church. And if they turn around and they see you following after them, and, and they're like, hey, kid, Get off me. What are you doing? Why, why are you crowding me? Uh, you just tell them, right? I, I, I'm, I'm here to follow you, right? If, 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 if they want to know what you're doing, hanging around, I'm, I'm following after because I see you following the Lord. 
and I want what you have. I want to follow God like you follow God. Why? Because there's a cause. I don't want to waste my life. You want to you come to the place where you can say, I'm laying down my convenience, my agenda, and I am following after. So get this down in your notes. You know, in order for you to become a Christian, that cost you nothing. Jesus paid it all. But if you're going to live like Christ, okay, receiving Christ, he covered that. He shed his blood so that you could have a relationship with God through his finished work. But if you're going to live the life that Christ lived, it's going to cost you everything. You're going to have to lay down your rights. You're going to have to lay down your life in service to him. Why? We've got a city to run. Or we've got a city to reach, a race to run. There you go. I combine those two things. It doesn't sound right. We're obviously not running the city. That is clear. We're, we've got to walk to walk, right? We've got, to, we've got people in this city to reach. Kansas City isn't going to reach itself for Christ. And if you and I don't get serious about reaching this city for Christ, well, then who's going to do it? We've got campuses to reach. We've got young adults to win. Your coworkers aren't going to win themselves to Christ. Your neighbors need reaching. Your friends need to know Jesus. Jump in with us in that mission. You know, God's got men and women in this city that he wants to reach through you, not the person sitting next to you. He wants to reach them through you. He's not even interested in reaching them through this church. He wants to reach them through you. So don't look at Pastor Briscoe, Pastor Bess, Pastor Mata, Pastor Ong. Don't, don't, don't look to someone else to do what God's calling you to do. Go look in the mirror. God wants to use your walk with him to draw others to himself. Now, that's not going to be convenient. As a matter of fact, I can promise you that will not be convenient for us. And it may not be what you're looking for in a church, but that's where it is. That's what it is. So what will end up happening whenever somebody looks at that and says, man, a, a church with the motto, every member a minister, that's just too rough. So then you end up looking for people that will listen to your excuses. You'll keep attending, but you'll find the people who will pat you on the head and validate your wicked heart. Man, MBT, these guys are just so messed up. They don't really love me. They don't, they don't really, MBT doesn't really fit me. Now, I don't want to go anywhere else because this is a good church doing a lot of good stuff, but they just put way too much pressure on me. So they don't really want me. They don't really need me. No, what you need is to follow after. You need to be done with the excuses, and you want to follow after. Jump in and help us. Don't you know that in, in serving in the nursery, you're helping us make disciples? Don't you know in just simple service, keeping a bathroom clean helps us to make disciples? Don't you know that getting on the path to growth gets the Bible in you so that you can help to get it in the lives of other people? No, you need to follow after. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember them which have the rule over you. And if you're sitting there saying, Miles, you're not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. Well, then this doesn't apply to you. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith, what? Is that in your notes? I don't know if I put it in your notes. But obviously, we don't know this verse well enough. Hebrews 13, 7, whose faith, What? follow. That's what it is. Whose faith follow? Why? Considering the end of their conversation. So you ought, to, you ought to find someone that's mature and you see how they live. What's their life falling out to? And you recognize there's a brother, there's a sister who is all out for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God is using them to invest His Word into their souls. I want to be a part of that. So I consider what their life is amounting to, and I jump in with them. Hey, how do I do what you're doing? Those who are investing the Word of God in you follow their faith. You need to put yourself under someone once and for all and start following after them. That'll give you accountability in your walk with Christ. That'll give you responsibility in terms of your service to Christ. And it'll give you safety in your life's work. You won't waste your life. You'll actually invest it in learning the Word of God for yourself and helping us to invest in the lives of other people. Now, we saw a good example of this in verse 17 in the life of Paul and his team. Now in verses 18 and 19, we're going to see what happens if you don't mark out the right people to fly with, right, to follow after. You'll end up in a crowd whose focus is on earthly pleasure. And if you're setting and you're just attending, if you're setting and you're not endeavoring, you may be saying to yourself, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow people with an earthly focus. Yes, you will. You will. You'll follow the pursuit of your flesh's goal if it's not held in check to God's mission. In other words, this is not, you're not going to get away with one bunning this. This is not a fence you can straddle. You're either in the mission for Christ or you're living your life for what you want in the flesh. Does that make sense? Everybody with me? So here it is, point number four. We got the last three points last week. If you want those three points, you'll have to go online and uh, get last week's message. You need to mark those, those bad examples. You need to mark those examples that should be avoided. Why? Because what we're getting from the Word is a warning against a focus on earthly pleasure. See, not everybody is traveling the same path in life. Not everybody, even at MBT, not everybody that attends this church is fervent. They're not really praying that you'll have a right walk with God. Philippians 3 verse 18 says, for many walk. It's not an isolated problem, it's a common occurrence. Many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Okay, whenever you see Paul warning his disciples and you see his heart, it's, Paul's no wuss, okay? He's not a sissy. Uh, he is, uh, he's, a, he's, he's a tough guy with an awesome heart, and he cries over the right things. So get that down in your notes. Mature people, right? Mature people don't, it's not that they don't cry. They just don't cry over anything. They cry over the right things. He didn't cry. Paul didn't cry that he was in prison at the end of a chain. He didn't cry that he was dependent for his needs. He didn't cry that he wasn't appreciated or loved by everyone. But he cried over those who were off. They were off, they were off course. He cried for those outside of the will of God. What do you cry over? What makes you cry? Psalms 126 verse 6 says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The promise of Scripture is those who will sow the seed of the gospel in tears, right? Those who will preach the gospel weeping, uh, they'll have fruit. Paul wept for the gospel. He wept in warning his disciples against the enemies of the cross of Christ. He wept over people. He wept over sinners. He was just like Jesus in this. You remember Jesus weeping over Jerusalem? Do you remember Christ weeping over the lost? Jesus yearned 
over a lost world that he wasn't just willing to die for, he did die for. So do you have that heart? Like Christ, Paul wept for the souls of men, so much so he was willing to die for them. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 9, verse 3, we find out if he could, he would go to hell for the lost. I can't, I'm not that mature. (laughs) Can you imagine being at that place where you would be willing to take the lost, the lost world's place in hell so that they could know Christ? And yet that was his heart. But every day, we're just very dead. We're very aloof. We're very, we just with calm distance, we see lost family, friends, coworkers, and they're just, we watch them march straight to hell. And there's no weeping. There's no prayer to God over their souls. And the example of our life isn't stopping to make them consider. We're not saying anything. Do you ever look at your life and say, where is the power? Where is the word? Where is the work of God through my life into the lives of people? Where's the compassion for the lost? Where's the burden for the gospel? Again, we have a city to reach. Kansas City is not going to win itself to Christ. And it's full of all kinds of religion, but very little gospel. So... Who is going to agonize before God on their behalf? Paul here is weeping, not just over the lost, but also over the enemies of the gospel. That's how big his heart is for those who are off course. Now, today, you and I think about somebody as an enemy of the gospel, and we think, well, how is that possible? How could somebody actually be an enemy of the gospel? Well, do you remember your life like yesterday before you got saved? Do you remember that? You remember what you were like before you came to Christ? Colossians 1.21 will remind you if you don't remember. We were, right, Colossians 1.21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now have he, Jesus, reconciled. See, yesterday that was you and I. We were enemies of the gospel. So watch who you follow together with in life because there are some people who will even attend this church, who will call themselves by the name Christian, who don't have their focus on the cross of Christ. No, 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 no. It is on the merits of the flesh, the fulfillment of the flesh, the pleasures and the plans of this world. That's what they're focused on. And in the process, now they call themselves Christian, but they're not carrying a cross. They're looking for fulfillment in the flesh. And through that bent, through that objective, they make themselves the enemies of the cross. So to be an enemy of the cross of Christ, what does that mean for someone who calls themselves a Christian? For a Christian, it means, the cross means, right, it's the, its meaning is the means by which, right? It's the way in which God paid for the sins of the world, and he purchased a possession of the church for himself. That's what the cross did. He shed his blood to buy a bride. But now that we're saved, now that we've come to the cross and received Christ as our Lord and Savior, now that is the means, that is the way where we lay down our lives in His service. So for you and I, after salvation, the cross represents death to self. That's what goes in your blanks. Uh, Next, the cross means death to self. See, self is saying, I have wants, needs, and desires. And the cross says it doesn't matter what you think you want, need, or desire. The only thing that matters is what God wants and desires. Christ modeled it, literally. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, we see Christ, who is God, 
makes himself of no reputation. He becomes a man and he takes upon himself humility. Verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus died on a cross. And that's how he made the way for you and I to go to heaven. Now, some people find that message foolish. Other people find it offensive. It's a bloody gospel. They hate it. Remember when, I've mentioned this before, when Mel Gibson came out with the movie The Passion of, the Christ, uh, the Passion of Christ, uh, he graphically portrayed the crucifixion. And the secular world, they were incensed. A lot of people in churches were incensed at the graphic portrayal. There are churches today who will not sing songs like Nothing But the Blood. They will not sing songs like There Is a Fount Filled with Blood. They want nothing to do with a bloody gospel. And yet, that's the gospel that saves you. It's a right view of the cross that saves you. But once you're saved, okay, if, it, if my salvation costs God everything, now that I'm saved, where's the investment, of, the investment of my life going? See, many people throughout history have found the way of the cross too hard. So Joseph Smith claims he meets an angel and he builds a cult, but there's no cross. Mohammed, same thing. He claims authority. He met an angel. And now the cross isn't considered in the Arabic world. So what about you? What about your life? How is the enemy of the cross manifest? How can you identify it? How can you see it when someone is an enemy of the cross? Paul says, I'll show you three ways. Three ways to know. These three ways show their focus. That's your next blank. To be an enemy of the cross is to seek to satisfy the fleshly appetites. So Paul says, you know an enemy of the cross by someone who follows their own belly. Their God is their own belly. Now your gut, well, that's an easy God to satisfy, isn't it? Your belly God, he's very very easy to satisfy, and it's fairly satisfying to satisfy him. Your belly God, he's cool with with a sacrifice of of a grilled steak stuffed burrito. That's, a, that's an offering fit for the belly god. One grilled stuffed, stuffed steak burrito, please. So you offer that up to your belly god, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. The belly god calls you to a life of consecration to him, and so you follow. Hey, babe, you don't understand how much I love you. I know it's wrong, but I want to sleep with you just to show you how much I love you. And the belly god says, well done, my good and faithful servant. The belly God in pride, right, calls you to take credit. Yes, sir, I can take full credit for the department's increase in productivity. It was all me right here. And the belly God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So get this down in your notes. Your belly only cares about itself. And the reason people serve their belly as their God is because he's fun to satisfy. There are those for whom their God is their flesh, it's their belly, and so they can go from biblical Christianity where in Matthew chapter 6, we're told not to take thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Oh, that's anathema to the belly God. Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Instead of worrying about what you need in the flesh, verse 33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So you go from that, seeking God first and his righteousness, to seeking you first, 
a perfectly grilled ribeye steak, totally pimp duds for raiment and a hottie for sexual satisfaction. Why? Because you got a belly God to satisfy. In Paul's day, what was happening is, is there's Christians who they see they're freed from the law, and so they take their Christian liberty and they use it as a license to pursue sin. Remember how we began chapter 3, Philippians 3, verse 2. Paul tells us to beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. And today it's just the same, man. There's dogs in the house of God. There are dogs even at MBT. Don't you know in every, chair, in every church there are tares among the wheat? There are wolves among the sheep. Not everyone who attends MBT is actually a sold-out follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some who attend regularly, some who attend faithfully, their God is actually their belly. Why would you let them sniff around, man? Why would you let them, why would you let them get over on you? Galatians 5.13 says, For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another, not seduce one another. By love, invest in one another. See, the dog doesn't understand the nature of the cross. They don't understand the grace of God. They don't understand what God saved us from and what he saved us to. They're only interested in serving self, so they treat sin lightly. Besides, sin is fun. So they glory in their shame. That's the second way you can identify enemies of the cross, those who glory in their shame. And this is the way it always works. The person for whom their God is their belly they're seeking to satisfy themselves in the flesh. They don't want to be the only one, and so they're looking for company. And as a result, they become a distraction to others, and they try to lure them away. Beware dogs. They're these, these hiney sniffing dogs. Beware, because they're going to try to pull you in to their pursuit of the flesh. They're not all about dying daily and taking up their cross. They're all about serving the appetites. And so they glory in their shame, and it's even in the church. Romans 16, 17 says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and, and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned, and avoid them. For they, are, they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple." And are you so stupid as to be drawn into their deception? You say, but I met him at church. I met him at church. Yeah, again, MBT will always have dogs sniffing around. They're sniffing hiney. So wise up. Don't let them hump your leg. It's just a dog looking to serve the flesh. You guys get what I'm saying? Okay, just don't fall for it. Whenever I first came to Kansas City, I, I started attending the Kansas City Baptist Temple. Because I wanted a good church that taught the Bible right. It was very important for me as a young man to, be, to know what's right, to be able to have right views. But I wasn't consecrated. I wasn't taking up my cross and following the Lord Jesus Christ. I wanted a Christianity that was comfortable for me in the flesh. And so, you know, I grew up going to church on Sunday morning and, and doing Bible club during the week. That was plenty of church for me. But these KCBT people, they were hardcore and so we were going to church on Sunday morning. They wanted me to go two services on Sunday morning. And then the pastor is, the pastor is walking through. He's, for two hours, Sunday evening service goes two hours long, and he's teaching Leviticus when In Living Color is on on Sunday night. Are you kidding me? 
And then there's midweek stuff that they were supposed to be a part of. And it's like, who can be? This is, this, is, this, is just, this is just a little too much, a little out of control. And so what I did, instead of going to learn Leviticus on Sunday night, I threw parties for my brothers and sisters from KCBT, and we watched in living color. So I would throw barbecues. So our pastor is teaching Leviticus on Sunday night, and I'm teaching lasciviousness on Sunday night. And I'm, I mean, I'm replacing the ministry of the Word for the Waynes brothers. How messed up is that? I mean, they had some funny sketches, but you guys know there's, a lot of that stuff was messed up from the ground up. One of the fly girls, her name was, um, she's really famous today, Jennifer Lopez. And uh, I, man, what a mess at the Super Bowl. I was pulling people out of Leviticus to watch Jennifer Lopez. How messed up is that? Pretty messed up. The right answer is, that's messed up, Pastor. That's messed up. What was I? I was an enemy of the gospel. I was an enemy of the cross. I didn't even know it. I'm thinking I'm a good I'm calling myself a Christian, but I'm calling people out of consecration into serving the appetites of the flesh. Man, note them, Romans 16 says, and avoid them. They that are such have not learned our Lord Jesus Right? They've not learned our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good, works and fair, good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. You need to wise up. You're looking for the people that are going to invest in you, not, not the people that are humping your leg, these, these hiney-sniffing dogs. Don't fall for that. Wise up. Ephesians 5.11 says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. There are people right now in this room, I guarantee you, who if they could, they would draw you into unspeakable scenarios. If they could, if they could get away with it, you would be doing God only knows what with them. They're here. They're in this room right now. You're like, Pastor, are you talking about me? Yeah, I'm talking about you. You're either, you're either the wolf or you're the sheep, don't fall for it. Number three, you want to know somebody that's an enemy of the cross? They put the focus of their life, watch what he says, on the things of this world. See, Christ came to take up a cross, and by his cross, he came by his cross to crucify us to the world and us to the, or crucify the world to us and us to the world. And those who mind earthly things are minding in direct contradiction to the cross of Christ. They relish earthly things. They have no desire to submit to God. Their heart, their affections are on earthly things. They love them. So they're not submitted to Christ. They're not crucified to the world and the world to them. So how do we fix that? Colossians 3 tells you how. You just make a decision. You're done looking for pleasure and satisfaction from the world. That's what I had to do. Uh, a couple, about a year and a half in to my attendance at KCBT, I made a decision. I'm done pursuing worldly pleasure. I'm going to set my affection on things above, not on things on the earth. So that's the question on the floor this morning. What matters most to you? You need to get your Bible, and you need to find out how God designed a way to protect your heart in every area of your life. 
so that you don't get distracted by the gut God worshipers all around you. Don't you know they're a belly gut? You're running into people who worship their belly all the time. And they will distract you if you let them. Just decide up front, I'm going to set my affection on things above, not on the things of the earth. God's a genius. He helps you do it. Great example is the tithe. Why does God give his people tithes, offering, and sacrifice? So that he'll keep your heart, so that you'll set your affection on things above. That is an amazing thing that God has given us. We can take out of the first that God gives us, we can invest it right back in the ministry, and we can take earthly mammon, and we can translate it into heavenly reward. How amazing is that? I've got a retirement account building up, not in Kansas City, but in a city whose builder and maker is God. I'm laying up treasure for myself there. And not just through my tithes and offering. You know, the Bible tells you where your treasure is there will your heart be also. So God's a genius, man. Out of the first of everything that he gives you, right, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If this is the only place I'm keeping my treasure, guess where my heart is? I'm losing weight. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Guess where your heart is? It's solely on your own hind end. But if out of that, what I have to do is I have to send some on, right? I I have to give the first out of what I'm given. What am I doing? Where's my heart now? It's on eternity. It's on the judgment seat of Christ. Sexual purity. Well, you know, I want to make sure I don't have a bunch of funky diseases. Praise the Lord. Sexual purity keeps your body, but more than that, right, it keeps your mind pure. It makes your marriage relationship with your spouse functional. It's amazing. Well, how do I do that? Well, I don't even cruise the strip. Ah, but, but strippers need Jesus. Well, catch them at the market, right? Catch them at the grocery store. You don't want to witness to them while, while they're working the pole. Why would you set a trap for yourself like that? Avoid even the appearance of evil. Is this making sense? Make no provision for the flesh. So you know the enemies of, of the cross by their focus, and that's threefold, but also by their fate. Look at verse 19. This life, this pursuit, their end is destruction. It means their life is ruined. It's lost. It's waste. See, if you're a believer, but you still worship your gut, you lose reward. And in light of Christ, in light of the judgment seat of Christ, you'll have shame. And worse than that, if you're not saved, your love for the flesh will cost you what it costs everyone else, an eternity in a lake of fire apart from God. And God loves you. He doesn't want that for you. He's warned us. Life is too short. It's too short, so do it right. Give it to Christ. Matthew 7, 13 says, we're to enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. There are some people in this room, I guarantee you, there are people in this room that will not be with us in heaven because they don't want to give up their love of a God. They want to have a form of godliness. They don't want the reality of it. And their love for the flesh will keep them from surrendering their life to Christ. And so they just won't do it. They won't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They won't do that. They want to, they want to, have, they want to have the appearance of faith, but they don't want to submit their life to a walk with God. 
And there's some people here today, even after listening to a message like this, you will bust hell wide open. You'll spend eternity in punishment apart from the love of God who gave his life to keep that from happening to you. And the thing that hindered you was the pleasure that you could have today, the pursuit that you could, you could go after this week. You wanted that more than you wanted a relationship with God. And then for believers, people who are saved, but they're not living saved, they're not living with eternity in mind, again, it's the belly God that's demanding the pleasure of the moment. Listen to Romans chapter 6, verses 20 and 23. Ye were the servants of sin, right? When ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Was there any benefit in those things that you wish never happened? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, you become the servants to God. Ye have fruit unto holiness. And the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, that leads us to the key of walking right. Those who are mature, they mark those, right? They follow with the mature. Or those who are immature but want to be mature, they follow with the mature but they mark those who are following the flesh, and they avoid that. I'm not going to yoke up with them. But in verses 20 and 21, Lord willing, we're going to look at this next week. This is going to be key for those looking to make a difference in heaven. Uh, we're, the, 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 way we, the way we don't fall for whatever the belly God wants right now is we get focused on what God wants for us in light of eternity. If you're a citizen of earth, you're going to seek satisfaction in earth. But if you're a citizen of heaven, then you're going to work to that end, to see satisfaction in heaven. In verse 20, you see a heavenly focus keeps our perspective. Our life, our citizenship, our conversation is in heaven. Whether you realize it or not, ultimately, you're not a citizen of the United States. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. This is why we don't get wound up politically here at MBT, right? We are born again, and so our citizenship is in heaven. We're like Abraham of old. We're looking for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, Hebrews eleven ten. So this is why, I mean, man, politically, the sides have been warring forever. They're going after each other, and we don't get exercised in all of that. Our primary focus is out of this world. Now you have, praise the Lord, you live in America, you get to vote. Every, every couple of years I bring this up, okay, because I'm not here to tell you politically what you need to do. I'll just tell you this, as a Christian, I can never vote for anybody that's for ripping babies out of the womb, murdering babies in the womb. I mean, that ought to be a safe place. <laughs> I mean, the womb, a kid ought to be safe. So I can't vote for anybody that is so demonically, so demonically invested in that they think it's okay to butcher somebody in the womb. Can't get with that. Can't do it. People say, oh, I gotta vote my conscience. Uh, I, I, gotta, I, gotta vote. I gotta vote what I think is right. Well, vote like you know God's watching. I'll just say that. You're in that booth, nobody else is there, that's what you think. Nobody sees how you vote, God sees it, he sees it all. And he beholds the evil and the good. And you will give an account for how you live your life. Now, at the end of the day, 
our mission isn't tied to our political system. Do you get that? This is why we don't get wrapped up. With, we are not a political arm of anyone or anything. Now, if you want to talk about us politically, we serve a king. We are ambassadors of Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. So if you want to, if there's anything that's political in and of us, if there's any po- politics that comes through us, it's the politics of heaven. It's in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that making sense? That is our mission. And our king's coming back. And he's not going to be wearing a crown of thorns. He'll be wearing a crown, and as king, he will right the wrongs of this world. We're waiting for his return. He's our sure hope. In John 14, he told us not to be troubled. He told us that in his father's house there were many mansions. He's preparing that place for us. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. So don't let anyone, don't let any situation rob you of that hope. We have a heavenly hope. And it's not just a place with Christ forever, but it's also in his body. In verse 21, we'll look at this next week, we're going to find out that God will change our vile body You have a vile body. Praise the Lord. We're going to see what that looks like next week, Lord willing. It can can fall to disease, sickness of every kind. It can be be broken, but it's to be like a seed planted in the ground, a corn planted in the ground. The glory of that corn is nothing like the stock that comes up in its place. Our body will be changed. It will be fashioned like unto this glorious body. Our body will be like His. And we're going to look at all of that, Lord willing, next week. I'd like us to bow our heads and close our eyes right now. And if you would, examine your heart. Not everybody who talks about heaven gets to it. And not everybody who calls themselves a Christian lives Christ. Many pull others into sin. Don't, don't do that. Don't fall for that. Watch your heart. You may feel justified in why you're, why you're doing what you're doing, why you're not doing what you know you should. And then the next thing you know, you're pulling others into your sin because they're following your lead. Don't do that. If you're motivated by anything else other than God's Word, you're following lust or dissatisfaction. It's at the bidding of the belly God, and you'll end up being used of Satan to distract others. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Man, I'm recognizing I need to quit submitting to what I want in the flesh. I need to take up my cross and follow after. I need to follow according to the word. I need to dedicate my life to Christ. Pastor, would you pray for me? Is there anybody else like that this morning? We've got several. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. Is there anybody that would say, Pastor, pray for me? I'm not 100% sure I'm born again. I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that if I died today, I would spend eternity with God in heaven because I don't know if I'm right with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody like that? I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven really is my home. Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dismiss with praise and worship, but if you have a need, if you want help submitting your life to Christ, maybe you need prayer over something, we'll have people down front that'll be available to meet with you. Uh, but we've got about 15 minutes to, to turn over the sanctuary and get everything ready for the next service.
But if you have a need, we're going to take time with you, okay? Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus and ask that, Lord, you know, so many of us are saying we recognize we've been guilty of just following the appetites or we've been following the will of the flesh, and, and we don't want to be enemies of the cross. Lord, we want to take up that cross and lay down our lives following you, not according to our circumstances or what we think or how we feel, our changing emotions. Lord, we want to follow you at your word. And God, you're the king. We want, to, we want to start living like that, like we serve a king. So we can say, not my will be done, but thine. Not my agenda. Lord, your cross. Lord, without submission to the cross, we're enemies of your cross. And so, Lord, don't let, don't let us get away with that. And Lord, in your kindness and your love and your gentleness as our Father, Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you help us to acknowledge you so that you're directing our path in faith? And I ask for this in the name of Jesus. Be glorified in us. Amen.